Hello, dear friends, and welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay. Thank you so much for tuning in today. First off, I want to give a big thank you to seeingmazeltov.com. Seeingmazeltov.com is a one-stop shop, a platform where you can reach out to your favorite Jewish creators and request personalized video messages from them. That's right. Whether it's for a bar mitzvah, bas mitzvah, a wedding anniversary, or you just want to motivate your kid to do well in school, whatever that may be, you can reach out to thought leaders, singers, musicians, influencers, the works and request a personalized video message from them. Thank you so, so much. SameMazeltov.com. Now, on today's podcast, we have the one and only, the very funny, Elon Gold. That is right, a comedian actor who has starred on Fox's Stacked, NBC's In-Laws. He has made 10 appearances on The Tonight Show and, has a recur- and had a recurring role on the hit show, Bones. His one-hour stand-up special on Netflix received wide acclaim from more audiences and peers alike and is now available on Amazon Prime. He recently made a stellar appearance on The Late Late Show with James Corden, my favorite, and, and will be making another appearance on an iconic show. Which show? Ah, you have to hang around, listen to the podcast to find out. Now, this podcast is quite special because, well, for many reasons, but I'm really excited because it's not just one part, but there's two parts to this podcast. We couldn't get everything in. We just hit the ground running in a direction I didn't expect, yet it was too funny and good, and magic was just flowing. We were creating something special in the moment that I just couldn't pull the brakes on. So I'm quite happy with how things turned out. And yes, stick around. Check out part two with Elon Gold right here on the Great Day Podcast. Uh, until then, thank you so much for tuning in and do enjoy this podcast with Elon Gold. Why are you so handsome? I'm just a reflection. I have good genes. I, it's a, are you a, a handsome person? Are you regarded as a handsome person? I, I, yes. Yeah, I do get lots of compliments on, on my looks, which, you know, I'm like, hello. There's a lot more to me than just my looks. But uh, but you're very, you're like, remarkable. you're remarkably handsome. <laughs> oh, is this how you start off all your podcasts, Elon? No, I n- I've never started off a podcast like this. I'm just taken aback at how handsome you are and i hope you're recording this because you are i see because oh, I this, is, this is this is the stuff that people really care about it's weird because elon who you know seemingly heterosexual married with four kids but who knows you know what that what what's really in his heart well i'll tell you what's in my heart i'll tell you what's in my heart mayor k is in my heart right now uh no i'm just noticing like you come on this first of all nobody looks good on zoom Mm, especially me i happen to i always say the camera loves me and it does the television camera the film camera loves me i i look stunning on Mm -hmm. tv then i put like a facetime or an iphone or ipad in front of me and i'm like who's this hideous human on the other i don't know it's it's placement you know how it is it's placement i've seen you i've seen you on those igtv of those ig lives and sometimes you just hold it a bit too low you got to have it eye level or above you're right, but I think that I think that iPhones and iPads are anti-Semitic. <laughs> I don't think that they want me to look good. Even though, by the way, I just found out yesterday that Steve Wozniak, yeah. the Woz, sure, the co-founder of Apple, is sending my bits around, like my bit about parking to his buddies Please. and whatever, emailing them, which is so cool. It doesn't do me any good. But anyway, back to you, Mayor. You're so yep. handsome. Thank so you. When, so normally on Zoom, everyone is not handsome. Like mm-hmm. no one's handsome on Zoom. You come on striking. And I'm like, wow, we why can't ha- I look like that on you Zoom? You can. You All you have to do is invest in a $30 ring light, which is right now shining I have a ring light. Yeah, do, you have do, do you, Should I use that? Yeah, put it on. Let's see how it looks. Okay, but have we started yet? We started. I, oh, this is definitely going to the podcast. Oh, 100%. it has to. It's, this it's is, all me <laughs> just gold. showering you with accolades of your beauty. Have you, have just, we met, have you met in person, Elon? I feel like we've 
if we if we ever did meet in person, I think we would have taken it to the next level. That's how handsome you are. I don't. I and I would have remembered part two of our meeting. Yeah, you're so strikingly handsome. Thank you. That I'm not sure that I'd be able to control myself around and, you. And why? And you should not have to, Elon. You should not have to. It's an open. Are you person. married, by the way? I'm not married. No. How old are you? 31. But this is not the bucker. This is not your bit right now. This is my right. podcast. This is not, this see, is I'm not always trying to set no, no, people no. up. No, you're not setting but anybody up right now. how is a 31-year-old? Let me get my ring light and see uh, how that looks. Deal. How is a 31-year-old that looks as good as you, that's happening, that's got stuff going on, that's mm. smart and funny, how is that not snatched up? by everyone by every jewish mother out there that meets you and goes you've got to meet my daughter is that what happened with you elon i mean did you get married early i met my wife at i was 15 years old it was my erev 16th birthday wow i met her at a sweet 16 and i instantly uh fell madly in love with her and when after spending like three, four hours just talking to her and I was trying to impress her by doing impressions and being funny and all that, that's my go to, you know, that was it. And I literally said to said to my friend Leon Lowenstein when she left, I said, I'm marrying that girl. Wow. Wow. Is it because she laughed at your jokes? Or was it because she like, what no, was it that- Mayor, everybody laughs at my jokes. Of course, of course they do. It had nothing to do with that. It was because I just fell in love with the things that you fall in love with the person, the the, mm. the personality and the looks. That's what happens. Did you I feel like you didn't her. have to perform for her? Oh, no, the opposite. I <laughs> felt like if I don't perform for her, if I don't show off my God-given talents, she's never going to like me. I don't know if you know this. How's the ring light doing? Not much. It hasn't changed, but it's okay. Okay. I don't know if you know this, uh, but I, uh, as a teenager, and I was 15 at the time, my nose grew before the rest of my face. (laughs) So I was literally walking around. I was just like a nose. And then I don't share this with a lot of people, Mayor, because it uh, it just plays right into the anti-Semitic Jew stereo nose type of, you know, I hate that crap. Yeah, I, totally. I I spent my life dispelling stereotypes. It's true. I, 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 and I love that. I, I, lo- I saw your bit you did recently on James Corden and you called yes. out the whole crowd on the money. The Called out the whole oh, crowd. That is one of my so most good. proud moments. Because so good. Because what I, what I loved about that is it bothers me so much. And good comedy comes from what bothers you and what do you, you want to do something about it, make a joke about it. But yeah. in, in joking about it, you know, the, the best jokes have a message behind them. So what it really bothers me that this world is obsessed with Jews and money and Jews love money and money and money. It's like, no, no, it's food we're obsessed with. It's yes. food. And the crazy thing is, whenever I was doing that bit, and you don't just do it for the first time on James Court, you got to sure. work it out for years first. <laughs> and whenever I was doing that bit in front of a non-Jewish audience, and I would say, you know, Jews are just like everybody else. We all have the three basic human needs, sex, money, and food. We just want them in a different order. And then I go, like, for the rest of the world, it's sex, money, and food in that order. For us, it's what? And I take the mic and I go like this to the audience. Every single night for years, the audience yells out, money! And I just go, how dare you? And then I correct them and I explain to them that it's not money, it's food. That's mm-hmm. what we're really mm-hmm. obsessed with. And it's, it, it's, it's jokes, but it's truth. It dispels the stereotype. Channel, just, line on it. It's sort of what, I mean, I don't know if I wouldn't want to compare you to, and I don't know what you think about it, like what Sasha Baron Cohen does in a sense, when he goes down, Jews throw the Jews down the well, showing to light, teaching people, seeing that anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism does exist. Um, comedy- so like any, yeah, like, and by the way, like anyone in comedy, we all admire and love Sasha Baron Cohen. Like you're not going to find a comedian that goes, yeah, he's, he's not that good. He's not funny. He's brilliant. What he does with throw the Jews down the well, I love so much because Mm. he's on our side and he's exposing these haters that will just instantly sing along, throw the Jews (laughs) down the well. So don't get mad uh, ADL and all these, you know, guys, a Foxman, how dare he? No, he's exposing bigotry. 
in the funniest way with this crazy song. I actually had that conversation with uh, LD. I don't mean to drop names already, but we're in LA. You know, you know, you know LD, right? You know LD, (laughs) Larry David. Yeah. So the big LD, and listen, I'm, I'm, I may be doing a recurring role on the upcoming 11th season of Curb. Your enthusiasm. Get out. Wow. Congratulations. That's huge. I think the big question is then why am I here on this podcast? Well, no, this is going to be tremendous. <laughs> Ouch. I'm joking. It's an opens honor. Up, it's an opens honor. up with the compliments and it goes in yes. for the sting. I hear Boom. you. Yes, exactly. They By the way, speaking of, speaking of opens with the compliments and the goes because that's what, that's what we do. Jay Leno, when I did the Tonight Show, and I, uh, I did a bunch of them. I did like uh, five stand-up sets on the old Tonight Show with Jay Leno and five correspondent Tremendous. pieces for them. One of my first sets for Leno, I got up there and I did my impression of Jay in front of Jay on his show. Sure. And I just talked about how the monologue, whenever he does a monologue, um, and Jay has the best monologue on late night, right? And I said that and I go, and but his setups are so funny that he doesn't need the punchline because when, when he sets up a joke, it's just fun to just sort of watch him trail off and repeat the prayer. Like, oh, this is good. You're about this. We're about this. You're about this. You're about this. <laughs> oh, Donald Trump back in the nose. We're about this. <laughs> so I do the bit. It does great. And it was a whole thing. I'm not really doing it, but I go sit on the couch and he goes, the second, he goes, the second I heard you say, Jay's got the best monologue in late night. I was like, oh, here comes the slam. Here it comes. Because the compliment is always followed by, the yeah, the insult this, and this, the slam mm. which by the way israelis often do that too oh they're whenever so yeah yeah whenever i meet an israeli it's always like oh you're very you do you have funny uh, you have funny jokes but what you haven't written anything new you have new, you have anything new you don't like no? yes i write new every day you know they, so they can't oh, give it always, to you they can't give it right. to you fully they got to give it they can't just allow a compliment to just sit they have to then figure out what's not right about you and anyway, back well, to LD. Well I'm, well, I'm happy to hear that. LD, Aaron LD. I mean, finally, it'll be a show that people could Google and find, unlike maybe Stacked and In-Laws. You know, oh, it'll be wow. out there. So now you're hitting me back. Is that what you're doing? Oh, you're hey. hitting me back with my hit canceled TV sitcoms. You know what? Uh, but what I appreciate about you, Elon. Hulu, Mr. K. Oh, is it now? Is it? Special okay. K. That's right. But hey, question for you, though. It's not a question. It's more of an admiration how you keep on hitting. You know what? Some of these shows you've done haven't made it. They can't be seen, but you keep on showing up. You keep on showing right. up. And that's just in the, com- comedic- in the comedy world. You, you ace it, man. You're so good. You're so freaking talented. You. Right. And you still also pursue the acting thing, showing up to the, you know, SNL from early, early twenties and not be able to do it because, you know, you were up there with Will Farrell, right? You were there. Yes. And from like, from Ooh, early you 20s- did your research. I did. Wait, I'm I'm half listening to this question and also trying to figure out a bit about how your last name um it sounds like a Hepshire. It's like Circle K, Mayor K. It's you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, sure. Actually, here's a what are, you, are you under rabbinical supervision? Is I'm a rabbi. By the way, I don't trust the kosh root of Mayor K. I'm a I go Circle K, I don't trust mm. Mayor K. If I see Mayor K on the label, I'm not eating it. It's not <laughs> it's not for me. So wait, before you ask this very in-depth question that proves you've done your homework and research, oh God, I gotta, I gotta hit uh, ignore on this one second. Shoot. You know what I have to do also? What's that? I have to do, uh, uh, do not disturb. There you go. Beautiful. I'm very popular. People reach out to me all the time. This this part will be edited. No one's going to hear this part. So you could. They should. Cause you know who was just calling me? Who was trying to call you? Larry David. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was actually my buddy Israel Wolfson. And Israel Wolfson and I are embarking on a very exciting new venture of bringing more Jewish content into the world, which is a big thing. It's, it's like it's so big. I've been talking about Jewish Netflix for so many years now. But I don't yes, know if that, and that's exactly yeah, what you're the kind of about. thing. Yeah. That's well, if you want to if with, you want to show this beautiful Jewish face on screen, hey man. We will give you a show. Because so far you're doing fantastic and you're gorgeous. Well, thank you. Okay, thank you. so back to Larry David. Then you could Larry ask the da- question shoot. about the 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 failures because that's what you're really getting at. How do I overcome failure? I, I want to get. I, I would like to get in 
a few words in my podcast at some point, but you're doing great. That is, there's one problem. When you interview a comedian who gets paid to talk and talk, by the way, by himself for an hour straight with no interruptions, you think you're going to get a word in? <laughs> Do you really think? If you ask more than, by the way, I'll give you the Seder four questions. If you get to the that's, fourth that's question. Jay. That's Jay. That's a different podcast right now. Oh, there is. Okay. But that would be a Nezka Dolhaya Po if you actually get four questions out of this. Because I can't not talk. I used to have a bit. Uh, you'll never see a Jewish mime because Jewish mime, Jews can't not talk. You'd be like, hello, look at me. I'm in the box. I can't get out of the box. I'm climbing up the rope. You know, he would have to explain what he's doing. You can't not talk. You're not going to get a word in. Are you kidding me? Totally not. Uh, totally not. Well, so, okay. So back LD. to LD. So LD. What was I saying about him? That he, what were we talking about? We were talking about. You're talking about how, uh, you know, the show's coming out. And I went ahead to bring out the fact about these other failures. Right. No, but before the failures, which, by the way, is a whole other conversation that I was just explaining to. I'm writing a sh- There's so much. Wifeless, wifeless. I know, wifeless. We're going to talk about wifeless. No, Wifeless was a failed pilot that I wrote. Nobody knows it. I want to go back to the failures. I want to go Jeez. back. So so what people don't realize about me, and I was just explaining this to someone else, that when people come over to me and they say, oh my God, you're my favorite comedian, or I love your stuff, or any compliment. And again, like we just said, the Jews can't just let a compliment sit. It has to be sure. followed up by either an insult or a qualifier. We have to qualify that, and, and they qualify it by saying, I know you get this all the time, or I'm sure you don't want to hear it, or, or my favorite, um, you, you know, I don't want to get your head too big. I don't, that's, that's the one that I really love when they say, I, I don't want to, you know, give you a big ego, but we love you. And I always stop them and I say, just so you know, my life is just full of daily rejection, minute to minute, hour by hour, Hollywood constantly rejecting me, scripts like you just mentioned that aren't picked up, auditions, screen testing, Saturday Night Live, screen testing with Will Ferrell that you didn't get it, you're not getting it, it's not picked up, it's canceled. Yeah. That is my life. It is one rejection after another. Nothing will get my ego too big, too swell. There is yeah. no, and, and, and quite the opposite. What your compliment is doing right now is allowing me to not kill myself. <laughs> your compliment. Do you understand that what Hollywood does to a person is yeah. it just keeps beating them on the head. And it's like, it's, it, it's just so humiliating and, and debilitating. Is that a word? It is. And it's so, uh, uh, it, it, it's upsetting and depressing. So when you come to me with a compliment, please just yeah. do it. Thank it's you. not going to, yeah. Give me a cut. When I said you're the most handsome person I've ever seen in a Zoom, I didn't see, I didn't qualify. I didn't say, and, uh, you know, I don't want you to get too full of yourself. I just enjoy it. Enjoy you that you're a handsome guy. So yeah. yeah, my life is full of rejection. And yet people we'll just see why, like the, why do you keep doing it? How, how have you not get bur- burnt out? Or it seems like you haven't been burnt out, but you're doing it 30 uh, years later. Yeah, I think the, and the word isn't even burnt out. It's jaded. Mm. And you know, like how have you not become jaded, embittered and uh, cynical? And I have moments of all of those things but I am not any of those things because a, I have no other choice. There is no other path for me. This is uh, this is something that is a God given uh, gift. Just the ability to write a joke, to stand on stage, to tell a joke, to do impressions. I take no credit for any of it. I'm uh, people are like, how do you do those impressions? I'm like, it's an innate inborn. It's like asking a guy who's amazing at piano, like, but how do you do this? Well, I can't do that because God gave him a gift. And it's but, like, I okay. mean, there's a certain level of gift and then skill set that you have to like build on, correct? A hundred percent. You yeah. have to build the skill set and you have to hone your craft and, and take these gifts and work on them 
day and night. Yeah. But still, it's like I, I, I take no credit for it. So because God gave me these gifts, I have to use them. I, I, I'm not now going to go and be an accountant. I'm not going to say, but, well, I failed. Alon, there's so many people who do that. They're born with music, uh, with art, 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 artistic talents, and yet they do go into accounting and law and, law and whatnot. And sell, you know, they, so w- what makes you different? You're 100% right. The difference is I'm so gifted. I just, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, the difference is uh, tenacity. And I just, I don't give up. And for every 10 failures, there's, a success that you hold on to for every 10 rejections. There's a moment that literally like something as small as this, a true story that happened to me two years ago when I was at the comedy cellar and then my old pal, Dave Chappelle walked in and we grew up in comedy together. Nice. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, You guys had a connection? Big connection. In fact, I asked Dave to play Robin Quivers when I was Howard Stern at these MTV sketches. This is like 25 years ago. This is back in the day we're both starting out. And Dave's always been cool. We've always been cool together and, and, and buddies. And he went on stage after me and he looks at me and I'm, you know, when, when Dave's on stage, you watch and learn because he's like a master. Like you just one of the study greats. It. One of the greats. One of the all time greats. Mm. And you study. So you don't just go back upstairs and have hummus up at the Olive Tree Cafe, which is upstairs <laughs> from the cellar because it's an Israeli-owned whatever place. It's the greatest club in the world, but it happens to be a like falafel place on top. And then on the bottom, Perfect. it's the best comedy you'll ever find anywhere. And Rock and Seinfeld and all these guys are always there. So, sure. so I didn't go upstairs. I stayed and I watched him and he sees me you know, from the stage. It's only like 10 feet and he sees me and he goes, oh, hey, man. Elon Gold is here. Oh, it's great comedian night here at the Comedy Cellar. And I was just like, whoa. Like that one compliment of him putting me with him as one of the great comedians, uh, it just, all the rejection leading up to that for those in the past few years, and then all the rejection that's about to happen in the next few years, you hold on to that one moment and you go, I don't care what they think. Dave Chappelle, the all-time great, you know, like he just said, I'm one of, you know, the great comedians. So that's how, to answer your question, you hang on to moments like that, but more than outside moments of validation from people like Larry David, who literally came over to me, and this isn't the story I wanted to tell, I'll still figure out what that was, but literally came over to me and said when I did two episodes and then he called me back for a third episode and he goes, I just want you to know you were so great. Like he goes, perfect. Couldn't have asked for more. And I, I just like, I ran away and I wrote those words down in my phone. Cause I didn't want to forget like verbatim. What did Larry just wow. say to me? Wow. And again, that compliment that takes you like, Oh, Oh, so this dumb network executive, you know, doesn't like me or doesn't give me the part or doesn't whatever. Yeah. But LD just said I was perfect on his show and couldn't ask for more. That's all I care about. So that's external uh, validation that keeps me going. But then you also have to have the internal, which is way more important. Internal is just believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. No matter what rejection you you get, you're going to get rid of. My wife rejects me. And I'm not just talking about at night. I'm talking (laughs) about my wife says, oh, that's not a good idea. And that's not, you know, she loves me and wants me to succeed. The better I do, the better she does. (laughs) But she'll she'll reject me. Has her comedy. Yeah, for sure. Right. And and that's the hardest thing. No one can fill that void besides yourself. You got to hit that gym. Yes, you have to. And you also have to, besides, you know, believing in yourself, you have to know that you're on a journey and the journey is going to have so many bumps in the road, but along the way, they're going to be great things also. And then there's the ultimate payoff and the ultimate pot of gold at the end of the, the rainbow that you're still striving for, that I'm still striving for. So People question, see me as, yeah, yeah, my question ahead. is to you then is what two questions, it's a sort of like double-edged sword here. From, you're on this journey you're talking about. What dreams did you have to let go of 
And where is this process? Where is this journey leading to? Where's that pot of gold? What's That's that? a great question because the dream for me since I was, oh my God, a preteen was Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And I started doing um, stand up because, and just got into comedy in general because I watched Eddie Murphy and Billy Crystal and Martin Short. And those are like my heroes. And Amazing. I was like, I want to do that. I want to be them. I'll never be as good as them, but I could do what they do. And I know I could do what they do because I was like doing impressions in, you know, in grade school. And I would get up in front of the class and do the teacher before the teacher got there and make the whole class laugh. And then, you know, I would do impressions. You know, I'll never forget. I went to MTA, you know, Yeshiva University High School. Yeah, yeah. And it was at that Purim spiel in front of the entire high school. When I, where I wrote these two sketches and then I got up and performed them and they were both impressions. One of, was of a, t- of a teacher, one of the teachers, Mr. Grossman, and the other was uh, of a Martin Short character. It was Ed Grimley going in to uh, get his, um, to the head rabbi of the school to do his interview where you have to learn Gemara with the head rabbi to get into the school. And I wrote these sketches, I performed them and, and just killed so hard it was like my first time really as a writer performer and at that moment on i went this is what i want to do this is the only thing i've ever done well excelled at whatever and you have that you know aha moment where you go i've never loved anything uh, you know more than this but so so but just to get back to answering your question it's like this to me is what i you know it's a, it's whatever a calling. I don't want to get corny on you and all that, it's but not. it's like, it's a calling. And, and, and to go back to the SNL thing you were asking yeah. when I said I can do sketch comedy, I can write sketches, I can perform sketches. And all I want to do is Saturday night live. And for almost 10 years, that was just the focus. And I was doing, I was doing stand up so I can get on SNL. I was learning impressions and stuff just so I can get on SNL. And then going to uh, getting as close as like I'm on stage at 30 Rock in 8H and Lorne Michaels is right there and everyone's there. I had no idea who Will Ferrell was at the time and Jim Brewer and all these other guys that, you know, I was in the final 10. Like it's whittled down from like thousands and then you go and, you know, and you do stand up and then they whittle that down and then they bring you to 30 Rock with like only like 35 people. And then they bring in about a dozen of those people to go meet with Lauren, have a one-on-one meeting, and then also to do another screen test at 30 Rock, which is literally sitting on the stage where the host comes out and you and there's a chair or you could stand up. You're on that iconic set. Iconic set. And, and it's unbelievable. And then by the way, all of NBC executives are live in LA watching this while wow, you're doing it. Because this is a big pressure network screen test and no laughs because there's only three or four people sitting in an empty right, right, studio right. It's audience. Vacuum. It's Lauren Michaels. It's yeah, all business. It's all business. It's all business. Yeah. And you're doing it. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I'm there. I've arrived. In fact, side story, I remember saying to to my father, who, again, I went to MTA, there was school on Sunday, but I always wanted to stay up and watch Saturday Night Live. And I'd be, and I would say, my dad would be like, go to bed. It's like 1230 at night. And I'm like, no, the show ends at one. I got to stay up. Go to bed. You have school tomorrow. And I'd be like, dad, this is important. Trust me. <laughs> I, I, I knew it was important. Wow. I'm like, I'm going to do that one day. Like, just let me watch and learn and study it. And then there I was on SNL and I go, oh my God, I remember telling my father that like, this is important. And I'm now here on this iconic stage and there's Lauren. Now the story would have been so much better if I had booked the show, of course. (laughs) But but again, once that didn't happen and even to get to that level is so exciting. And once that didn't happen, that was a dream crushing, painful, oh my God. And by the way, then you know, what I realized, I don't know, 10 years later is, well, there's another goal and it's to host Saturday Night Live. And I still have that goal. And all these people that are always like, you know, guys I grew up with in comedy, like Ray Romano, he ended his Saturday Night Live uh, hosting stint by saying, well, I guess I got to find another dream now because it's all of our dream to host or to be on SNL or whatever. 
So what do you do when that, when that yeah. ends? How, yeah. What do you do? How do you let, let that go? How'd you bounce back? Yeah. What you grieve? You, no, there's no time to grieve in comedy because you're always on to the next gig and on to the next thing. But what you do is you, you say to yourself, okay, so I won't be on SNL. Where else do I feel like I belong? Where else should I? Last night I had a dinner uh, with a doctor friend and I'm friends with his, his daughter and whatever. And we're sitting at dinner and we're talking about Curb. And he's like, I can't believe you're going to be on Curb next season. And he goes, but I've been a fan of yours for a while. And when I think of you, I think that's where you belong. Like, that's your chevra. Like, with Jeff Garland, who's a friend of mine, you know, with Larry, with Richard Lewis, who I know. And it's like, you're so right. When I watch Curb, I feel like jumping in and playing with them. And then having, having to actually have done that. Yeah. And then being there. And by the way, that's a funny story that I said to Larry. This is breaking news, but I just said, I said to Larry, this is a couple of weeks ago. That's right. I said to him on the set, I go, being here is rarefied air. This is like, it's so amazing to just be here. And I said, you know what this is like? It's like for me going to Disney World, except you get to hang with Walt. You get, and he laughed. Like, you get to be with the guy that the guy. actually thought of all this. And amazing. he's the guy. And there's his buddy who said, hey, Walt. You should open a theme park with like rides and characters. Oh yeah, I'll do that. With Jeff Garland said to Larry, we should do a show where we follow you around. And that's how is that how started. is that how Curve started? Yes, oh, no. it was literally Jeff's idea. Genius. And and Larry goes, that's hilarious. And by the way, when Larry says that's hilarious to you, mm. it's just again you just take that for years. But so you- what you do is you take the rejection. You t- okay? I didn't get SNL. It's Plan B. Now what? Where else do I belong? Where else do I fit in? And at first I thought it was like, oh, sitcoms, all these comedians I know are doing sitcoms, but whatever. I, those didn't work out because they really weren't exactly where I belong. It, it wasn't organic for me to do sitcoms. You know, as an actor, I did yeah. that stack show, which is available on Hulu. <laughs> that was just an acting gig and it was fun. And Steve Levitan, who went on to create Modern Family, did it, uh, 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 ran that. Two, seasons, but like two shows away, two shows away, man. Two shows away. I was two shows away. But in-laws was something I developed and created, but it wasn't organic. It wasn't organic to who I am and what I really want to talk about, you know, on stage. And and comedians that have success in sitcoms, it's always an extension of their act. It's always, what are you talking about on stage? What's your persona? What do you care about? And then how does that translate into a 30-minute scripted single camera or multicam show? Yeah. And nothing really spoke to me or resonated that was just another gig and so that was plan b and that didn't work out those sitcoms failed and then i was on sketch shows like okay if i can't get an snl i was on the dana carvey show i was on the show called she tv i was i did a bunch of those all failed and to me it's like well you know what i also love more than anything else it's stand-up and at least stand-up there is no failure if you're killing on stage and then you get a James Corden set and then you get a special on Netflix and that's where ultimately the success and you get these viral videos. And now when I have fans, people used to would say to me 10 years ago, I'm a fan of yours. Be like, from what? Yeah, like, right. how do you, now I know because your video, we've seen your viral video. We've seen sure. the Christmas tree. With, yeah. Does, does Jewish viral get you still excited? Does that, does that satisfy you? Is it, you know, is it, I made it mom. Is it like, I made a mama moment like for you to. That's an excellent question also, because it does excite me, but there's a part of me that gets frustrated. That's like, I want, I don't just want my people to appreciate the comedy and enjoy it. I want everyone to, but Chris Rock once said, you got to get your own people on board first. Then you go mainstream. Then you could branch out. And until you get your people, like Chris Rock was huge in the black community. So was Kevin Hart, by the way. And then huge in the world. So I've been pretty big in the Jewish community with my peeps for a while now. And I'm ready for the world to discover me. And, and some of them know me, but it's rewarding when anything goes viral. You know, when something goes yeah. viral, you're just like, wow, I, I made something that people are sharing. They like so much. Mm-hmm. that they're sharing it because the essence of viral a viral video is you got to see this 
Totally. Right. It's, 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 it's like, wow, I made this thing and people like it. External validation. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. wow. What I, a, I mean, it's, it's great to like create, put energy into and be accepted, but also it does feed into that overload. And I'm sure like, I mean, I've, I mean, so many questions I asked you, Elon, but like also, but like, you know what I realized mayor, we have to do a part two because mayor was right. Mayor, first of all, we'll never cover everything. I've been working, like you said, for 30 years. So this, we, we can't do a mini series, but we should do a part two. So mayor said, let's do this. And I said, okay, I can do it at four, but then I have a five o'clock. I'm actually doing a, for H it's this uh, panel on how to be observant and work in Hollywood, which is like not the most original panel. I've been on like a thousand of them, but anyway, uh, it's a good group and it's guys like Jeff Astroff and Daniel Rosenberg asked me to do it and, and a couple of great writers. And so I'm doing that. Meanwhile, I have to literally do like in 10 minutes, they ask for like a sound sure. check. Whatever. No, we have time. But my point is, we'll never get, we have to do, you were right. It, we can't do this in 45 minutes. We have to do, but I'm, by the way. I've been doing this long enough. I know. You got to trust me, Alon. You're always so sure. When I write through WhatsApp, you're always so sure. Short answers as to the point. Bro, calm down. Okay? Like, I know my stuff. I've been, you, you, you know comedy? I know, I know certain things. You're right. right. And, and, and you're right. And, and there's no way to even scratch a surface in 45 minutes. Right. Yeah, so Especially with me, I don't shut up. You don't. I'm going to hit, I'm going to go to the juggler right now. So was comedy a way for you to survive your childhood? Not at all. Not, not even in the least bit there, you know, the perception of all comedians is yeah. that we're all tormented and yes. troubled, but yes. then there are comedians like the ones I mentioned, uh, Billy Crystal and Martin Short. And these mm-hmm. are guys who they had certain childhood traumas, like Billy lost his dad at a young age, whatever. But it's there are so many comedians that don't do comedy through pain. They do comedy because they love it. Jerry Seinfeld loves writing and telling jokes. Yeah. He he, you know, he doesn't, it's not, we're not so tormented and conflicted. Then there are amazing comedians like Pryor, and there's so many that do have that that did it to just sort of you know yeah survive right i do know comedians who necessarily they don't go to they do not go to therapy because they do not want to get healed because they pull all their comedy from this dark dark place which you're nodding ahead to and you're and like they don't so there's that element in which i i question you know how vulnerable you want to get but like if there is something along those lines i mean i don't find your comedy to be dark at all and there's a a lot of humor and like it's light there's so much lightness to it uh, but I do wonder though, because I know for myself as a performer, I have these highs and lows, very highs, very lows. I'm off. I, I go on stage. All my cylinders are shooting. I come off. I'm buzzing. It could be a bar mitzvah gig or it could be performing in front of thousands Doesn't of people. Matter. Doesn't, Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So like yourself, I've seen your bits. I've been doing some research on this as well, besides the stuff that go Jewish viral. And they, they're amazing. They're so intuitive. Your, your brain is always on, right? You have that bit about the neck. You know, depending on, the, you know, if you're in the black community, the Hispanic community, the Jewish community, so good, so good. And anybody, anybody who doesn't, who wants to see it, go on YouTube, uh, we'll have links to it. Point is, is that how do you turn off and how do you, how do you regulate the highs and lows of life when you're from performance? I mean, I, I must say it, but I'm sure at home, you're not on as you are on stage. So how do you regulate life um, from being a performer, from being on and and not so so everything is compartmentalized and just to go back a question uh about like childhood i think the only thing that may have propelled me a bit if you want to get deep and psychological is i am a middle child so i grew up probably craving attention that all middle children feel ignored and is a whole middle child syndrome thing so there is that uh, wanting to be loved and adored and attention seeking. So I think that would, if that satisfies you at all psychologically to any of the, why are you doing stand up? I, I would accept that as a valid answer. Would you? I'll take it. I mean, right. there's, some, there's somebody listening. They're like, Oh, come on, Mary, get deeper, dig deeper. No, but you just said that your, yeah. your comedy isn't deep and dark. And I, 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 I agree with you. Yeah, I don't go. I don't expose my soul in my comedy. I talk about what things that I care about and sure. hypocrisy and exposing bigotry and whatever. But it's not. I I don't expose my soul because I'm not that deep or dark of a guy. 
So I'm sorry I don't have a good answer. You're to you. deep, but back no, to, I would say deep. You are deep. I would say not dark. Though I, would, I have deep thoughts. It's like yeah. I'm not smart, but I have smart thoughts. Mm. I'm comedically smart. I have really smart observations about human behavior, about our people, sure. about life. But yes. I'm not smart. I'm a big dummy. Just ask my wife. But anyway, the point is... What's the process how, like? Yeah, what's the point? The process of what? The creative process. So, you, you know, you have that joke about the Christmas tree. You see a Christmas tree. Like, how's, Take me through one of your... If you don't mind analyzing one of those jokes from beginning to end, from thought to like writing process to... Yeah. You know. It's so funny because you just said when you see a Christmas tree, like I have this bit uh, about squirrels on cocaine. Uh, I think squirrels are on cocaine because they can't focus for long periods of time and they're totally paranoid. And then I act out a squirrel, you know, on Zoom, you, you would like this, but just Google, send a link to that too. That's also a bit that's on YouTube. Yeah. And I did that on my special that was on Netflix and now is on Amazon Prime. Nice. That was literally, that was lit. And by the way, then three years later, Sarah Silverman, who's also an old friend and I love Sarah did a little thing about maybe squirrels are on cocaine something. And this happens all the time. It's Sarah is the last of the comedy thieves. She doesn't need me to steal jokes. And this just happened recently uh, a year ago when that uh, Joker movie came out and the parking bit, the other bit I did on Corden is in the Joker mo movie. And my buddy, Sam Morell has this other version of the parking bit. And we've talked about it. It's one of those great minds think, think alike uh, or great comedy minds. Again, I don't have a great mind, but great comedy minds think alike. Russell Peters called me at, to apologize. He goes, my buddy just told me that your Russian backwards bit is yours and that you've been doing it for years. And I just started doing it. I just want you to know I didn't steal. I'm like, of course, you, I wouldn't think you stole. He goes, my girlfriend is Russian. And we're lying there in bed and she's going, you and, and I just say, are you talking backwards? <laughs> so it's like a right. common observation. So I did a Hamas Humus bit on, on the Tonight Show. And then Sasha Baron Cohen did that famously in Bruno, Hamas Humus. But that's easy to make that connection. That's not, that doesn't take the greatest mind to, to make that connection. So the squirrels thing, I, I just side note, if any if a real comedy nerd will go, Sarah Silverman does that bit. And it's like, by the way, people always, the more famous you are, they they side with that person. Right, I bet, I bet Elon stole it. it from Sarah. So just yeah. for the record, you could look it up. I did it years before her. And she didn't steal it from me either. But Sarah's a big, big fan of the podcast, so she'll, she'll appreciate that. Oh, Keep good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a big fan of hers. And we start again, we started. I grew up in comedy with like so many great people now from Chappelle to Sarah, Attell, Louis. I mean, my generation was just such a great generation. But anyway, not the greatest, but, but great. Uh, that bit of squirrels on cocaine, I'm literally sitting on a patio looking at a squirrel going, there's something wrong with it. He's, he's, he's on coke. He's a coked up squirrel. <laughs> he's, I've never seen anyone that par anything, that paranoid looking over its shoulder. I'm like, he's a coked up squirrel. That's all it took. And then I went on stage probably that night or the next night. And just realized, you know, if I, the physicality of it, that I could actually act out a squirrel. You feel like a squirrel when you do it. Like whenever I'm doing an impression of a celebrity, I feel like that person. And uh, so that was it. And then you write it and work on it a little bit. And then it's a bit. Christmas tree took a year, a took year. a year to a hone year. and get right. And it wasn't my observation. It was my friend, Jeff Astroff, who is a, brilliant uh, comedy writer, sitcom writer. He's, he was in the original room of Friends, a little show called Friends. Yeah. And yeah, he was like, that's he's a, regarded. That's amazing. So, and who do you, uh, who do you bounce them off? Is it your wife? Or she's like, no, pleasure, family. Oh business? yeah. I, st I stopped bouncing Stop everything that. off my wife years ago, but uh, no, <laughs> she doesn't want to hear from me. No, but Jeff Astroff, yes. who, 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 and if you read anything about Friends, they always say he, he was the guy in the room. He was wow. the best joke guy. He, wow. he came over to me one day because he's a friend and he goes, you should do something about, and by the way, when most people say you should do something about, they're usually terrible Not a great ideas. idea. Not a great idea. Right. Mm -hmm. You should do something. Like, literally, so cool. It was like the worst. You're a comedy guy. You're a, here's a joke. Yeah. People right. bouncing off jokes off you all day. And it's like, you should do something about, about airplanes. Right. It's like that bad. But anyway, he said, you should do a bit about if Jews had Christmas trees, 
how many rules we would have. And I go, I said, that's brilliant. All right. And then I just started writing it and I kept adding to it, removing stuff that wasn't working. And you literally hone it for a year. And then I'm at a stand with us event and they were taping it. And I, and, and, uh, and I said, I'm going to really kill this right now. Cause I want them to release it. Had no idea it would be like, it was so viral like millions of people. It went, ama- it went it blew- amazing. And it's yeah. also like wherever I go, people go Christmas tree bit. I get invited to like countries I've never been in, like Australia, because of one bit. It's like my one hit wonder. It's what an amazing world to live in right now. I mean, so I know we only got a couple of minutes left and I want to squeeze this one in. So you just talked about Coke, squirrels, threw in some sex jokes. And it's like you go about being an observant Jew, not Orthodox. We'll talk about it in this part two. But the point is, is that, how do you how do you keep that balance? How do you you know? And I'm sure do you get hate from saying like, what do you mean? You're an observant guy. You're Jewish. How can you talk about certain topics like this? How do you reconcile with that and go about? There's know- so much to answer there, and, and there's so much because it's a multi layered question, which is why you're good at this, Mayor, and which is why we must have a part two. By the way, also in part two, mm-hmm. after you rewatch or send me part one, LD. that will. That will trigger what the LD story was. Yeah, yeah, and we'll now have you have it. to tune in. This is so good. Also, I like seeing like a podcast and it says 42 minutes. It's like, okay, good. This I'll listen. It's easy exactly your best podcast. Time. Three hours and nine minutes. Like, I don't have this kind of time. Yeah, it has to be just long enough for a commute. This is perfect. This will get people to tune in. And then part two, when I tell the LD story and really get into the stuff about uh, the, the, the Jewish life versus, listen, I... I vacillate between two worlds constantly. And and I've always done this. And in my career, I have two businesses. I have show business and I have shul business. (laughs) And I literally do shul gigs, Chabad gala dinners, yeshivas. What? Fundraisers, all those. Any fundraisers. I'm like the poster boy for Stand With Us, which is an amazing organization that I love. And I'm always at their gala dinners and yeah. And they release a lot of my stuff, but there's, that's a, that's an entirely different world. It's an entirely different act. If you went on Amazon prime and typed in Elon gold chosen and taken that special is that's my comedy. It's, I don't even say that's the secular version of me. That's me. So I identify as a Jew proudly even talk about Israel in that, but it's not my Jewish act. I have an entire other act about suckers. And, you know, right. Seder plates that sure. I really couldn't do on Netflix or Corden or anywhere. And I love having both of those acts because I can't. But it's cool. It's cool I, that the Jewish community, um, they didn't cancel you because you do those other things. Sometimes, oh, this is the guy. Oh, he's done that. Like people have gotten very upset at me for like, you know, helping people who are experiencing homelessness and, and, they're, and they're homosexual and they're gay. And like people got very upset about that. They got, what, Mayor, you support gay people? So like sometimes those lines can blur and you could perhaps lose business, but it seems like you right. haven't. Well, that's insane because anyone that has judgment over uh, uh, someone loving another person is crazy. Only have judgment over people who hate other people. Indeed. Don't judge lovers. But anyway. Um, yes. But yeah. yeah. But, but I get it. I hear yeah. what you're saying because they yeah. do that with me too. How yeah. could you? Oh, you keep Shabbos yeah. and then you have a bit where you say the word vagina. Yeah. How could you do? Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. First of all, yeah. again, I have to speak to my producer I, and see if we have to bleep that one out. But yeah, keep going. But anyway, my point is about how can, how can you do that? How can you be observant? Well, I'll tell you how. I'm not just one thing. I'm not just a comedian. I'm not just a Jew. I'm not just a man. I'm not just a dad. I'm, I'm many things. And I try to be true to myself, but also, and to God, most importantly, but also I don't think that you can't be the kind of person that puts on tefillin every day, which I do. And then at night goes out and does a comedy club where every word isn't clean and certain topics are, you know, sexual. I I think that's okay to be that. What's not okay is the guy that puts on smelling every day and then cheats people and then is a racist and then is a Bernie Madoff or is a Jeffrey Epstein. That's not okay. What I'm doing isn't harming anyone. Is it slightly hypocritical? Well, you call yourself religious and you did it. 
Yeah, sure. But, you know, in the back of every shul, there are guys telling dirty jokes. I've heard so many rabbis cursing and using foul language, right. and yet I'm still inspired by their lessons and their Torah and their teaching, and I, you know, but, or make a sex joke, whatever. People are human beings. And as a comedian, it's my job to talk about the human experience. And so much of the human experience is, you know what? Vaginas, can we say? Maybe we can do it. We're going to keep that in. All right. To end it all off, I mean, Ilan, you, you definitely built a lot of, big of your career on the impressions. You want to kind of throw a couple of names out and you'll, you know, show showcase that talent of yours? Yes, in part two. Ooh, okay. Okay. Tune in. We did a tight 50. This is good. We Perfect. did a tight 50. We, 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 we spent a lot. too much time on your good looks, which... I noticed you didn't cut me off at any point. Well, we should get to the interview. You went, yeah, tell me more about my, how handsome I am. I, I did say that. I did not say that, but I did say that. And, uh, you know, it's nice to be complimented once in a while, other than my grandmother. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> You're a handsome man. You're a great interviewer. And uh, I rarely give a part two because I'm a busy guy, you know. You but I guy. like you, Mayor. I like what you do. I like your message and your work. And, yes. and uh, I just lo- I love looking at you. Mm. Let's, make it, let's make it happen in person soon, eh? Fine, but let's first get on the books next week, and then you could release this now, and then we could do tune in for episode two. And then you got to tell me where I was going with that LD story. I'm gonna follow. There's somebody listening to this podcast right now saying, "Ah, oh, dude, they they knew they knew it was. They, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, right? There's there right. must be a hint there. So like throughout this whole podcast, like, oh, why couldn't I just pull it back? I mean, a, a good, a good. A skill set for a podcast. I'm usually good at this is to remember those like offshoots, but part two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, you're right. You no, know, but it's just hard. Listen, the brain There's works as it does, and it's it, and, and and we're all ADD, so it's all that. But this I is so much fun. I'm very you. excited about part two. We'll get to impressions. Impressions. We'll get to more. We'll get to also about how I always, and this is such an interesting thing. I I always lived. I don't want to say a double life, but in different worlds. And the perfect example, and then we'll go, is like when I was in college at Boston University, I was also doing stand-up. So I was a student and I was a comedian. And when I have a a bad set, I'd be like, "Ah, that's okay. I'm a student anyway. And I just aced that test. And when I failed the test, I'd be like, that's okay. I'm really just a comedian. I just rocked the house last night. Mm. So you always could just be like, as long as you're not one thing, you can't be a failure. You're failing at this in this moment, but really I'm succeeding in this and this. So that's why I like to live in different worlds and be ah, different. People. Interesting. So it's a, a great survival. Stuff. It's a good survival tactic, but then also sort of you avoid failure and responsibility and a lot of growth in those per, in those areas too. Interesting. And we'll get to that in episode two. Love you. Be in Love touch. You too. We'll Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast episode. Thank you, Elon Gold, for making the time. And of course, do check out part two with Elon on the Great Day podcast. Now, a big shout out to samemazeltov.com your one-stop shop to get a personalized video message from your favorite Jewish creators. And of course, like I always say, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor Kay, and have a great day.